Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, today um, we're going to kind of hit the ground running. And um, I didn't really plan this, but a couple weeks ago I planned on I planned on talking about this. And then I realized like, oh, that's going to be like our first Sunday back with kids and everyone. But um, I want to talk about racial reconciliation today. And, um, you know, when, when uh, all the, um, the murders of, um, uh, uh, gosh, what are their names? Um, George Floyd and Am- Ahmad Aubrey happened, when all that stuff started going down, we addressed it from up here uh, in the front. Um, but I did not specifically designate an entire message um, to that. There's a few reasons for, for that. Number one, um, I don't like knee-jerk reactions. The con- um, we, um, and I felt like the Lord, this is important, that the Lord wants us to talk about this. Number two, um, and by the way, oh, there's a lot of emotions surrounded this subject. There's a lot of emotions. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to feel strong um, in, in certain ways. By the way, if you, if you watched um, the video of George Floyd, um, and that didn't upset you, like, you need to check your pulse. <laughs> like, that should upset you. It was, it was a pretty um, crazy thing. Um, so I didn't want a knee-jerk reaction. I want the emotions to actually calm down a little bit so that we could talk about this as a church. Um, number two, we do not necessarily preach messages uh, here based upon um, what are the current events in culture. Um, we want to seek the Lord, what he wants us to preach about. And current events don't necessarily drive the vision of our church. In fact, in some cases, it's good to come to church and get a break from everything that's going on in the world, right? And so, um, but, and reason number three, um, I really like to think about things like this and, and get my thoughts together. And more than anything, more than anything today, I wanted to get God's heart for the situation, okay? Having said that, I do believe that God, it's time that God wants us to um, talk about it. Um, so it's about to get a little uncomfortable in here, Okay. It's okay. And I think a lot of you have had uncomfortable conversations. How many of like around your dinner table or with friends have just had uncomfortable conversations about um, racial issues lately? We have, like our staff has. We had a pretty, I wouldn't say heated, but it was a vigorous exchange in our staff meeting. Um, we've had friends over at our house and not agreed on everything. And I, I just want to say, I think that's okay. I think it's, as long as we're talking about this, um, I think when we think it's like this shameful thing we can't talk about, no, let's, we, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get this out in the open. Let's find out like, is there any offense in my heart? Is there any racism in my heart? Is there any prejudice still existing in me? It's good to talk about, and I just want to say it's okay to disagree. And on that note, if I say something today that you don't agree with, or I say something not the correct way, um, just please know that give me the benefit of the doubt. My heart is good right? My heart is good. I do care. And I, um, I care. And I actually believe what we have to, what I have to share today will be productive. Okay. And so we're going to go there. Some of you are like, man, I picked the wrong weekend to come back to church. They're diving into this (laughs) uncomfortable subject, but here's the deal. Um, Genesis, God said, God said, let us create man in our image, in our likeness. If you miss everything I say after this, because it's whatever, not a good sermon. Number one, remember that worship was amazing. Number two, God created humans in his image. He loves every person, no matter what their ethnicity is. Um, The title of my message is um, racial reconciliation. I really don't even like the title of my own message because how many know there's really only one race. 
the human race. Amen. There's different ethnicities. There's different pigmentations in our skin, but there's really only one race. It is the human race. And we should love people regardless of the color of their skin and not have prejudice towards them. Okay. Um, In the book of Acts, we know that the gospel is directed not just to Judea and also Samaria. Ooh, the Samaritans, really? The people that aren't exactly like us? Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, right? The gospel is for the entire world. God intended it to be that way. I'm going to pray because I need God's help today. And um, I'm just going to ask for his presence to come here. Father, we love you. We thank you that you love people, that you care about the people of the earth. And God, I I pray um, as we move forward as a church, you would help us to um, just approach us in the right way, the right subject. God, I thank you that everyone does have a voice here, Lord. We thank you for their voice. We thank you for their opinion, Lord. And I pray, God, you would um, speak to our hearts, Lord. I've been asking God, Lord, if I don't think about this correctly, if I have the wrong view here, God, would you change it, Lord? And we're asking that. Would you change the view we have if it's not the correct view, Lord? But we love you and we welcome your presence, your peace into this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. All right. Um, again, I don't believe it's only been a mere coincidence that um, these, these incidents keep popping up. I say incidents in these uh, two cases that I just mentioned here earlier. By the way, I do know their names. I just, when you get up here, everything flies out of your mind, and that's why I have notes. Um, uh, I don't believe it's a mere coincidence that this keeps popping up. In fact, I believe that it is God that is pushing this issue to the forefront, okay? And why? So that we can heal as a country and as a world, so we can heal and be better than ever. So that's my hopeful expectation, is that we would heal and it would be better than ever, okay? Um, On that note, the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul, wants to and has in many cases already hijacked this issue, of racial relations, okay? And so, but church, listen, we need to get God's heart for these issues, God's heart, and we need to drive the narrative or it will continue to be hijacked, okay? I've, that's been my main prayer is, God, give me your heart. Give me your heart. I know what these people are saying. I know these people are saying, I want your heart for this, okay? So in spite of all the noise that's going on, I believe there's a kairos moment, a divine, you know, kairos moments are the divine moments appointed by God to see to it that if there's any prejudice remaining in your heart, any racism remaining in your heart, that it will be done away with. And that we as a church would be ready to move forward and be a powerful church who, who um, is the love of Christ to this world, okay? So what are we looking for? We're looking for a kingdom response here. What is the kingdom response here? Not what is the political response? What is the kingdom response? Um, Our heart for this church, my heart for this church, is that our church would be a reflection of the demographic of Greeley, okay? Our heart is that City Light Church would be a reflection of the people who live in the city, not just one particular ethnicity, okay? Um, What is Greeley? I was looking it up yesterday. Greeley's about 55% um, Caucasian, uh, white, 37% Hispanic, 2% 2% black or, and 1.26% Asian. And then, uh, you know, like 4% other, um, just, you know, mixed ethnicities. And so I, my prayer, and this is kind of a vision casting statement. My prayer is that as we move forward, we buy buildings, we grow as a church, that we would be a reflection of the city around us. I think naturally I'm, in case you haven't noticed, I am a white guy, you know, um, by virtue of that, I think 
you probably attract people that look like you, right? So, um, and I have pastor friends in town who are Hispanic. And by virtue of being Hispanic, of course, they attract people who are, look more like them. But to, to as much as it's possible, as we staff, you know, as we, as we make staffing decisions, as we welcome people into our church, I want it to be a reflection of the demographic of our city. We have a large population of Hispanic people. So we need some more, some, more, uh, some more of them in here. Come on, you guys good with that? Okay, if you're not, I'm sorry. Might not be the church for you. Okay, so heaven is going to be a colorful place. Heaven is going to be a colorful place. Okay, but how many know in your life there are opportunities for prejudice to, see, to seep into your heart, right? Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example from my own life, and I'm going to have a Greg share in here just a minute. Um, in my own life, um, I was raised by a, a teenage mama. My mom was, uh, I think, 19 years old when I was born, and I have an older brother. She got married really young, and my, my grandma was a teenage mom. My great-grandma was a teenage mom, so I have a great-grandma that's still alive. My daughters have a great-great-grandma that's still alive because they had kids really young. Um, I was the first one to break the mold there, you know. But uh, my mom uh, grew up in Pontiac, Michigan, and, um, you know, pretty girl, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pretty girl. And, you know, in the 60s and in the 70s, you know, that was a, a heightened racial time as well. And she's this pretty blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl, and the, and the black girls did not like her. A lot of them did not like her. And she had to literally fight her way home from school. She was getting fights all the time because they were, you know, on her way home from, um, on her way home from school, had to fight. You know, and then she moved here to Colorado, married, married my dad. And I wouldn't, say that, I, I wouldn't say that we harbored prejudice or racism in our hearts, but I remember hearing those stories like, my mom's a scrappy lady, by the way. She, she was a boxer, too. My mom was literally a boxer. My wife can tell you she's a scrappy chick. And uh, beautiful, scrappy, you know. And uh, by the way, when you're, when you're raised by scrappy people, you're scrappy as well. I was thinking about this this morning. In, in junior high, God didn't, okay, God didn't really get a hold of me until like later in high school, okay, just so you know. In junior high, I was thinking about this. I think I had punched four out of five of my best friends in the face in junior high. And I was asking Ben about this. Ben's a scrappy guy, too. I was like, how many of your really good friends have you punched before? And he's like, I could think of three off the top of my head, you know? And I meet people and they're like, I've never punched anyone in the face of my life. I'm like, I can't identify with this. We were raised, we were raised to stand up for ourselves and fight, you know. That's, that was where I came from, okay? Jesus did an intervention. It's all good. I'm not going to punch you. Okay. So I wouldn't say it was prejudice, but there was this maybe um, um, caution around black people. Because, like, these are the people that were wanted to fight my mom, you know? And uh, so I wasn't afraid of black people. I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't raised, like, scared of them or prejudiced towards them. But I was, there was, like, a little unguardedness, you know? I moved to Greeley in, uh, I was 20 years old, and I started going to um, Res Church out in Loveland. I, I joined the uh, young adult ministry out there. And uh, really early on, I became good friends with a, a black man named Jerome. Do you guys remember? Yeah, for those of you who were there. Um, he, and Jerome and I became really good friends, and he became a mentor in my life. He was a few years older than me and became a mentor in my life. And I think that was the season that um, any hesitancy or any, anything like that, God used that season to get all of that off of me. 
And uh, by the way, my, my friend Jerome, he was highly, high, like one of the most prophetic people I know. To, to the point where like, he'd call you up and be like, I had this dream. You were standing there, you were doing this. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like, were you looking through my window? You know, if I was doing something wrong, I'd be like, God, don't tell Jerome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't tell Jerome. When you're friends with people that are that prophetic, it like puts the fear of God in you, you know? <laughs> don't tell Jerome. He's going to call me. He's going to yell at me, you know? But uh, he was a mentor in my life. And I think God used that season to just crush any kind of prejudice that might have still existed during that season. Um, so Greg, I'm going to have you also just, I'm just sharing a couple stories about how I think what I just said and what Greg's going to say will resonate with a lot of you because we don't live in a country that's 1%, um, you know, ethnic mi- minority. We live in a country that there's a lot of diversity. And so I'm sure that something stories like this have happened to a lot of you. And I just want to hear from Greg and how he um, navigated through this. Yeah. As a young man, as a teenager, and uh, growing up in a country town in Australia, there we we knew that there were Aboriginal people in Australia, but we didn't ever see them. Um, they were kind of they kind of more in different towns around the, the nation, and different regions, but not in my town very much. Um, so I I really I grew up not really having an opinion in this at all um, until one day I came out of the movies with my friends. And um, I'm a pretty white guy. I mean, I know I have lovely olive skin, um, but I'm pretty. I'm a pretty white guy, and it was a, a bunch of us. We there was five of us that came out of the movies into this alleyway, and we were met with a group of Aboriginal people. It was a young men, and they started to fight with us. They came at us really like intensely, and I got my head smashed into a pole. Um, and when I got up, I just knew like I had to run. <laughs> so I ran as fast as I could and I just yelled to my friends like, let's get out of here, you know, because it was probably like 30 of these guys. Um, and so after that happened, I had no idea what had happened in my heart. Um, but years later, I, I had this moment with the Lord. I was having a quiet time and uh, he started to bring up some fear that I had towards uh, Aboriginal people with dark skin, um, and also anger. I had some anger in there that they had done this to us. And um, God started to take that stuff and started to take it out of my heart. Uh, he took away the fear. I'm not afraid anymore. And he took away the the anger that I had. He just kind of healed that in my heart. And, and he started to put in this compassion, this love, for, for black people, for my original people. And God did a real amazing thing. I kind of, I had to take, I had to make a choice. I feel like, like God kind of gave me a choice. Do you want to deal with this? Do you want to, do you want to deal with this in your heart? And I had to make a choice and take responsibility over that thing and say, I forgive and I'm going to love. So that was yeah. my experience. Amen. Thank you. You could put it right oh, there. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, I think a lot of you may have stories that resonate like just what I'm saying for where, where prejudice may, or maybe you're raised and this was not an issue at all, you know? And so, but God wants us to not get stuck there, but move past it. Okay. Um, now is, uh, is racism still exist in America? Of course. Does it exist here in Greeley? Of course. In fact, I want to play a video. Um, I have a pastor friend here in town, pastor Angel Flores, um, he's a pastor of Mosaic Church, which is, which is primarily uh, Mexican Hispanics. And um, he's being interviewed by Pastor Alan Kraft 
um, at Christ Community Church. And they were just having this conversation talking about uh, racial, um, racial things and, and the Greeley. And I just want you guys to see this video. So go ahead and play that if you would. About four, four or five years ago, uh, we had heard of a, we were, our church was growing and we didn't have a building. So we had heard about another church and I had some friends encouraged me to contact this church because they were on the verge of closing. And so we thought, well, let's see if we can buy their building. Maybe we can rent the building. Maybe we can share the building. You know, we had a growing congregation. They had a building, but no, not a lot of people. So we thought maybe we can make this work. So I, um, I got with the pastor, told him, hey, let it, let's merge. Let's do something together. Sell me half your building, you know, whatever. And nothing, nothing. I could never get a response. But I kept getting encouraged that, hey, these guys are, you know, they need, they need help. So, so I wrote a letter to all of the elder board, sent it to their houses, got, got a hold of their addresses, sent it to their houses. Nothing, nothing, nothing. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't sell us their, their building. But they ended up giving it to another church who their leadership was all white. And so, you know, I was a little put out. You know, we won't, we won't take your money but we're going to give it to another church. But I mean, that could have, I thought, well, that could be a lot of reasons, right? Like, so whatever. I, about six months later, after all that happened, I was, I happened to be in a meeting where that guy was there, the pastor. And he, he tells me, uh, Angel, I, I'm sorry I never responded to you. I owe you an apology. And I was like, like we've met once before, like you don't, we don't even know each other. Why would you owe me an apology? And he says, well, uh, the, the, my elders in my church wouldn't let me respond to you because they didn't want Mexicans to have our building. And I was stunned. I mean, props to that guy. You know, it took some stones, took some guts for him to, to say that to me. He didn't have to tell me that, right? He could have just never, never said anything. So I have a lot of respect for him for saying it and telling me that. But like, you know, that stuff happens, but man, when a guy says it to your face, you know, I, I was, yep. I was stunned. And again, this isn't stuff that happened in the sixties and right. in South Carolina, this happened this a few years ago. Yeah. Four or five years ago. And in the Christian, both of those examples in the Christian community. Yes. Even. Yeah. What, um, we'll use that word very loosely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Serious. Um, in that interview, he tells another story where his, his son was interested, was going to UNC, was interested in a girl and make a long story short, um, because he was Mexican and not just because like, oh, we prefer that our daughter, he went to ask the uh, angel's son went to ask the dad permission to date his daughter. And, um, the dad said, what, what, what's your, uh, where are your, where are your parents from? He's like, well, my dad's from Denver. My, my mom's from Greeley. He's like, no, what's your ethnicity? He says, well, I'm, I'm Mexican. And the dad was like, well, that's going to be a problem. And it wasn't just like, we'd rather our daughter date a white girl. He went on to say like, your race is, your race is inferior. Right. What did I say? Girl, boy. Okay. It isn't that we'd, we'd rather our son date a white boy. Um, just to be clear about that. Thank you. Um, but went on to say, this, this dad went on to say, who was a leader of house churches that are out east, went on to say how he believes that the Mexican ethnicity was inferior 
to, to white people and that they were created to be like a servant stock, essentially. And that he's like, you won't even get this, you won't understand this because God hasn't given you the capacity to understand this. But you, you know, because you're Mexican, you can't understand this. Like, so this is a pastor friend of mine here in Greeley who is, you know, who's dealt with so crazy stuff like this. And just the other people I have talked to, um, um, a, a different minority groups of the things that have happened here in our city. Um, so it's still real. The things still happen. And thank God it's not the sixties. And, and it's, I don't think, I think we've come a long way, but I think we still have a little ways to go. And to the extent it's our responsibility, I want God to do a, a transformation in our hearts. Okay. And so what is the kingdom response? There's a lot of noise surrounding these issues. A lot of noise, a lot of, it, it gets, oh man, it's an election year. It's so crazy. It, I, guys, the more you can disconnect from that, the better, okay? Vote your values, do, you know, voting's important, do that. But listen, if, if the more you can disconnect from it, I think the better. It'll just pull you in, it's not life-giving. Okay, what is the kingdom response? What is God doing? This is what I'm interested in as a pastor. What is the kingdom response? How do we lead, okay? Um, I want to read a portion of scripture, Mark chapter eight, verses 14 through 21. I'm going to talk about leaven a little bit, leaven or yeast. You know, you work yeast into dough and it rises. Um, And Jesus talked about, used leaven as an illustration. Okay. And I think prejudice, by the way, and and racism can be like leaven. The story that Greg told or the situation that happened when I was growing up, or maybe the situation that you were in, maybe that leaven of prejudice has gotten into your life, but a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? A little leaven can take over and work its way through your whole being. And so we want to be careful of that. But Jesus talked about some other types of leaven here. He says this, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Jesus said this, be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no, uh, no bread. Aware of this, their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you uh, talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, your ears and fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke five loaves, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basket um, pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls, uh, basketful of pieces did you pick up? Seven, they answered. He said to him, do you still not understand? Okay. I don't want to talk necessarily about that portion of scripture, but I'll hone in on Mark 8, 15. He says this, be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod, okay? Many times in the Bible, yeast or leaven represents sin or something negative. Um, the Apostle Paul on two different occasions, on one occasion when in the, in the book of Galatians, when it, it, it appeared that they were going back under the law, he said to them, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, don't let, don't come back under the law, stay under grace. In another situation, and uh, I think it's Corinthians, first Corinthians, um, there's sin happening within their community. And, and Paul says, hey, you need to take care of this because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In this situation, what is the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of, of Herod. Okay, what do they represent? Here's what they represent. The Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees represents a religious spirit. Okay? And the leaven of Herod represents a political spirit. Herod was the, the ruling leader of that, of that area. Okay? Many times, okay, so listen, what I'm about to say isn't for the person sitting next to you or across the room or down the street. What I'm about to say is for you. I just want you to 
apply this to yourself. Okay. Many times when we're faced with issues in life and racial issues, immediately we run it through our preferred default lenses. And many times those are our um, political lenses or our religious lenses. Okay. And not necessarily through the other lens that I want to talk about in a minute, which is the kingdom lens. We want to run these things and process them with the Lord through a kingdom lens. Can I get a witness? Okay. So we're in a season where racial tensions are being talked about. And I noticed that many people, they do this. They run it through their, through their religious spirit or a political spirit. Okay. What does that look like? Let me talk about the religious spirit real quick. What is the religious spirit? The religious spirit wants to look good on the outside, but is full of hypocrisy on the inside. Okay, we need to be aware of that as Christians. Looking good on the outside, but full of hypocrisy, doing, saying one thing and doing the other, right? Okay, what I want to caution everyone here is don't act like you care about something, but lack substance for real power and change and reconciliation on the inside. Okay, religion is a form of godliness without power. We want the power of the Holy Spirit um, to change and to, and to move forward and to have action. Okay, power and substance. Okay, um, I'll just give you an example. I'm not accusing you of, of, of this, if, if this was you, but if you're using all the right, like through the, you know, racial tensions, if, you, if you're using all the right hashtags and putting everything out there on, you know, public social platforms. Um, and, but I just want to, I'm not saying you, maybe you did that to show solidarity, but that's not necessarily like doing something, Right. That's not necessarily action. That's not necessarily truth, okay? And so I just want to caution you to, to consider that what you do in public isn't necessarily what's happening in your heart, okay? Religion wants to look good on the outside, but many times can be full of hypocrisy on the inside. I would, I would rather it be the other way around. I would rather my inward reality be greater than my external reality. I would rather my, um, what's in my heart be greater than, than my external perception of other people, Amen. Okay, I want my relationship with Jesus to be bigger on the inside than it does look on the outside, okay? So we don't want to be whitewashed tombs full of hypocrisy. Many times, well, Jesus said this when doing good deeds, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, right? A lot of times we do things, and by the way, we talked about serve day, and we, you know, we encourage you to do serve day, and, but many times as a church, we'll do an outreach, and we don't, you don't tell anyone that we did it. Why? Many times we, we just want we don't want our left hand to know what our right hand's doing. We just want our secrets to be done in secret. And then God would reward us openly. That's what Jesus said. Amen? Okay. So um, the other way that you can try to look good in the religious spirit is, is in relation to racial issues is just to not talk about it at all. We don't want to go there because it's kind of painful. It's kind of uncomfortable. And we're just going to come to church and put a smile on. We're not going to go to like hard places, Right? I think it's okay to go to hard places. It's okay to have difficult discussions. Okay, that's another way that we're going to look good on the outside, but we're not having change and transformation on the inside. Okay? Okay, what about the political spirit? Again, this isn't for the person next to you. This is for you. The political spirit. So Jesus said, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees, the religious spirit, and watch out for the leaven of Herod, the political spirit. The political spirit is based upon control. More than anything, it wants to be in control. It doesn't mind you believing God, but don't bring God into the equation. In, in, uh, with the uh, religious spirit, uh, believing in God is essential, but he's powerless to act. He's, po- he's powerless and uninterested. In the political spirit, political spirit doesn't mind you believing in God, but don't bring him into the equation because he's not allowed there, okay? 
So more than anything, the political spirit wants to stay in control. Okay. There was a political party in Jesus's day called the Herodians. They were the supporters of King Herod. Okay. How many know that Jesus was the one who, or I'm sorry, Herod was the one who handed Jesus over to be crucified. Okay. For a political win. He was looking for a political win with the Pharisees. So he handed Jesus over to be crucified, who was the religious ruling class at the time. Now listen, if you are willing to sacrifice truth on the altar of your political party, I want to suggest to you, you might be operating and walking in a political spirit, okay? I think through this election season, again, I think voting is important. I think I have very strong political leanings and affiliations, but I think through this political season, it is not life-giving for us to have our minds immersed in it all the time. And I don't want to be controlled by a political spirit. And if I'm being honest, I, get, I do get sucked in pretty easily to it. And I have to guard my heart against those things. I have to guard my heart against defense, okay? Because I want to be tethered to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Okay, so I just I caution you with that. I caution you with that. Um, I'm not trying to get anyone to be a Democrat or Republican here. I just want to consider, is your default lens the kingdom of God, or is it primarily ran through your political ideals, your political lens, okay? Now, um, I was thinking about this earlier. I'm going to do a test, a test to see if you might be operating under a political spirit. If someone asked me if this was a good idea, I would tell them no. So what I'm about to do, I just want to go on the record saying it's a bad idea, okay? <laughs> but just, just, um, this is just you, just you and me right now, okay? There's no one else in the room, okay? <sighs> president Obama was our president of the United States for eight years, okay? You may have voted for him, you may have not, I don't care. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about President Obama and think of one good thing he did during his presidency. Like that one thing, that decision he made, I like that one. Okay, one view that you're in favor of that he did, okay? Okay, now I'm gonna flip the script. I want you to think of President Trump. He's been our president for three and a half years. You may or may not have voted for him, I don't really care. I want you to think of one good thing that President Trump has done. One thing you're in favor of, like, wow, that was a great decision that he made. Give you just a second to think about both of those. All right. This is my point. If you could not think of one example for both of those men, I want to suggest to you that you might not be looking through it with the kingdom perspective. I want to suggest that you might be looking at it through more of a political perspective, okay? How many know that, like, the news outlets are, are pretty, there's definitely a biased spin on most news outlets today, right? Um, they put a spin on it one way or another. I was at the gym before COVID broke out, and I'm standing on the stair stepper, and I'm looking at the, the TV screens, and I have Fox News here. Right next to it, I have CNN. And I thought I was looking to two parallel universes, they're reporting on the same story. One, Trump did amazing. The other one, Trump's going to get us all killed. Like, is this the same universe I'm in right now? It's like, I think it was when he uh, moved the embassy back to Jerusalem and 
Fox News is like, this is great. He's the first president who, you know, followed his word. And the last three presidents said they were going to do it and they didn't. And then CNN's like, this is going to be World War III <laughs> because he's, you know, he moved the embassy. Okay. So I'm saying whatever, whatever news network you're going to, you're going to get that political spin one way or another. Okay. Again, I have strong political leanings. I'm, I'm a First Amendment guy. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I'm pro-life and I am pro-Israel. You know, those are things that I, I vote on. But listen, I'll give it, let me, in case you didn't think of anything for Obama and Trump, I'll give them to you here, okay? Obama. Um, one thing I really liked that he did, and I was in favor of this, he got Osama bin Laden. He, he got him. He killed him, okay? I thought that was a good thing. I thought he was an articulate and calm man, okay? And I think that's a good thing when you're a leader, okay? I didn't, one thing I disliked, I don't know if this is a good idea, is that he seemed to be, this is probably the worst idea I've had all day. Um, <laughs> One thing I didn't like is he seemed to kind of be sorry for America everywhere he went and was always kind of apologizing for America. I didn't really like that. Um, one thing Trump did I liked, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. I, I do like that. We, before this current uh, pandemic, there was the lowest unemployment levels for um, really ever, and especially for minorities, um, black and Hispanics. And so that's a good thing. I agree with a lot of his policies, but I'm not really in favor of a lot of the rhetoric right? It's like, I agree with the decision, but the way you said it and how you're saying it is like a little crazy. I think even his family members are like, please, for the love of God, get this man off of Twitter. You know, <laughs> like even his people that love him are like, stop with the Twitter. Okay. I think they argue with each other. Okay. So listen, you may, you may have voted for Obama, you may have voted for Trump. I just want to suggest to you, if you can't think of one example of someone that you're told to pray for on a regular basis, it says to pray for those in leadership. I, I prayed for Obama almost... I'd say at least weekly. I pray for Trump at least weekly. We went to Washington, D.C. When, uh, when we were young adults, pastors. We went to the White House when President Obama was the, was the president. We prayed in front of the, the White House, not against him, for him. Right? We prayed that God would guard him, God would bless him, God would help him make decisions, help him you know, unite the country, those kind of things. Okay, so listen. It's a political year. And here's the deal. This is what I kind of just came to the conclusion of. Everything that can be political will be political. And here's what I'm finding out. Everything can be political, <laughs> right? Like COVID-19 is apparently a political issue now. It's like the way conservative states versus liberal states are dealing with it. it is, it's crazy. It's like totally different. Um, I hate to say this, but Black Lives Matter became political. It's a very, it's, it should be something we all just say, yeah, that's great. We believe that black lives are important, but it's become political. It's become a political party in itself. Okay. Beware of the leaven of Herod. Okay. Beware of the political spirit. We want to be tethered to the kingdom of heaven. I think this is challenging everyone. I think I've said something that was agreeable to everyone. I think I've said things today that is disagreeable for everyone and that's okay. So, Okay, beware of the religious spirit. It wants to look good on the outside, but it has no power. It has no substance, okay? Beware of the political spirit that just wants, at the end of the day, all it wants is to be in control, okay? But there's a third type of leaven that Jesus talked about. It's the leaven of the kingdom, okay? This is the one we want. We're Christians, right? How many are Christians here? This, is, this should be your default thing. This should be your default thing. Again, I hope you have strong political ideas and you vote your values, but... We don't want that to be our primary focus, okay? We want the leaven of heaven to be our focus, okay? I want the um, heaven operating on all cylinders in my life. Matthew 13, Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough, okay? The leaven of the culture, how many know heaven has a culture? 
We talk about different ethnicities and they have cultures. How, did you know that heaven has a culture? It's a culture of honor. It's a culture of love. It's a culture of forgiveness. It's a culture of generosity, right? It's love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control. That's the culture of heaven. Come on, guys. We need that. Okay. So I want the culture and the kingdom of heaven at operation in my life. I've been looking for heaven's response to this whole situation. It involves love. It involves forgiveness. It involves unity. Okay. I want to have a, there's a, a prophetic voice of a guy in the UK named um, Tommy Aromi. He's from, he's from Nigeria, but he, he resides in the United Kingdom. And he's a prophetic voice that I've, um, he's, he said it best. And I think, I, I believe this is the Lord's response to, and the prophetic word um, for the season that we're in with all the racial tensions. He's primarily, you'll see in this video, he's primarily speaking to, to black people. But I want you to just keep in mind that this is the prophetic word, I believe, for all people. So go ahead and roll that video. What is racism? Generalized assumptions made on people who look a certain way on the basis of superficial qualities beyond their control that informs how you treat them. Does white privilege exist? Perhaps it does. Do we want to finally be able to narrate the story and use this power to travel down that road? If we do, then aren't we using the, that power to make generalized assumptions on people who look a certain way on the basis of superficial qualities beyond their control? Is that justice or vengeance? We finally have the ball. The ball is in our court. The question I believe the Spirit of God is asking is, what are you going to do with it? Vengeance or justice? My concern for the African-American community and indeed the black community at large is that no man or woman can lead this fight from a place of offense and expect to win it. We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. Martin Luther King Somebody told me forgiveness is hard. I said, absolutely. To be a Christian means to be the strongest person on the face of the planet. It's extremely difficult. And it does not mitigate justice. It's just the first process in taking back power. Forgiveness is not losing power. It's taking power back. It releases us from the obsessive concern of those who have, have, may have moved on and care little about the things we still care about. Sadly, those who lead the civil rights movement today are ineffective soldiers of Christ because they are too weak to forgive. They are too cowardly to see the cross, which they owe a far bigger debt and far greater reparations, so they can cut these narratives that seem just and biblical, but forget that the foundations of God's throne is not justice, it's justice and righteousness. Psalm 89 verse 14. If we pursue justice and ignore righteousness, God is not on our side. No matter how noble 
our pursuit for equality is, if it produces inequality of another people group, then we have mitigated righteousness in the pursuit of justice and become the very tyrants that we are complaining against. If one bad white person has caused us to be suspicious of all white people, then we are as guilty of those who claim that one bad thug has made us suspicious of all black people. You may say, good, perhaps it's time they feel how we feel. Again, I ask you, is this about vengeance or justice? Is this about equality of opportunity or equality of outcome? When white pastors claim to have white privilege, are you helping the matter? Are you infantilizing a whole people group and making gross generalizations that will one day be imposed upon your children? Do you want to grow up in a world where people are judged by the color of their skin or by the content of their character? So you ask, what is God saying? I heard the Spirit of God say, I'm waiting for a king. I'm waiting for a king. Immediately as I said that, I saw Martin Luther King and I immediately realized African-Americans don't need someone who just fights for them politically. They don't need an upheaval to the whole system. All that's destructive and based on offense. They need a king, a representative of their new tribe. They will never get back what they had. But I hear the Spirit of God say, do you want what you had or do you want what I have? We look in America today and we see anarchy. African Americans burning up their own stores. Why? Where there is no monarchy, there is anarchy. Martin Luther King never finished. He was assassinated before his time. His mantle is still in the earth waiting for someone to be a king shepherd to a people who have no shepherd. It's time for us to stop looking at anarchy as anything other than the lack of leadership. This king leader is a hero that I believe the Spirit of God will cause to arise with a language of healing and not hurt, peacemaking and not war-making, justice and not vengeance. They will be like Christ and rise like a prophet from among their own. It will not be about taking a carnal land, but seeing a kingdom not made by human hands. You will know them because they will need to go through Samaria. Samaria today represents the same divisiveness we find in today's age. When Jesus spoke of this kind of love, neighborly love, he was asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus controversially said, your neighbor is a Samaritan. United States, the Spirit of God says, the neighbor I'm commanding you to love is the very people you claim to be oppressing you. And I know I'm not speaking to everybody, but I'm speaking to those who can hear what the Spirit is saying. Jesus went beyond illustration to demonstration. He needed to go through Samaria. He asked a Samaritan for a drink. The question seemed so innocuous at the time that to this day, I wonder if Jesus actually ever got that drink. The woman said, how can you ask me for a drink? You see, I believe she was speaking not just from her race, she was also speaking from her gender. 
See, in that whole chapter, we find gender issues, we find race issues, and we find theological issues. To think that Jesus asked for a drink, and this woman said, Well, I'm a woman, you're a man, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, you're the oppressor of my people, how can you now come to me and ask me for a drink? And Jesus' response, If you only knew the gift of God. If all you see is color, the Lord says you'll never see the gift of God. This narrative demands a hero. I hope it's you. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.